Be warned prior to entry. Filming feelings may contain spoilers to any of the films listed in the description. Please check before you proceed. Thank you very much. Hello there once again, lovely listeners, and welcome to another episode of Filmic Feelings. This week we are doing our October wrap-up. October is now over, Halloween has come and gone. And surprisingly, not many horror releases, not as many as I would have expected out of the month of October. And um, But let's talk about it. So as we said at the end of our last show... The films releasing this October were The Exorcist Believer, Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese, Marsh King's Daughter, Foe, The Burial, The Royal Hotel, Fair Play, Nyad, Pain Hustlers, and Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, we also had a few carryovers from last month, um, namely The Creator, which Cooper and I ended up seeing not long after we filmed our September wrap-up. And we also had The Expendables 4, which I believe we here in Australia got earlier this month, but um, uh, in America it came out late last month. So this month Cooper and I didn't have a lot of chances to see movies because the best times for us to see movies are on weekends. And all through October I was part of Movie World Fright Nights, which we've talked about in the main show. And so... There wasn't a huge amount of time to get around to seeing some of these films in cinemas. So what we have seen and what we're going to be talking about today is The Creator. So we're going to be talking about that as a carryover from last month. I have seen Five Nights at Freddy's. Cooper has not seen it yet. So I'll you know, go into my thoughts about that film. Uh, we went and saw The Expendables 4 last night. Much to say about that one. And we'll also give our thoughts on the current, the last, I think we're up to episode four of Loki. Yes, we watched episode four this week. Um, episode five will be coming out uh, shortly after this podcast releases. And uh, in terms of what movies I have, or I and Cooper, mostly me, I've got to catch up on uh, next month is Kills of the Flower Moon. I'm aiming to see that sometime before the end of the week. The Royal Hotel, which is um, a film set in Australia featuring Jessica Henwick and Julia Garner uh, and Hugo Weaving. Fair Play, which has got Phoebe Divina and Alden Ehrenreich and Pain Hustlers, which has Emily Blunt, Andy Garcia and Chris Evans. So those four are on my list to catch up on in the next few weeks before our November wrap-up. But in the meantime, Cooper, we saw the creator not long after our September wrap-up. It was one of our most anticipated releases of September, but just because of uh, schedules and just because of how, how the month ended up being, we didn't get a chance to see it until the first week of October. What were your thoughts on the creator? First of all, yeah. Yes, you have been rather quiet for the start of this you episode. You didn't even let me have a chance to go yeehaw. Well, you, you didn't just... even go to say yeehaw. I came into the microphone and then you just kept going. I mean, you could have interrupted me at any point. 
I've been talking for three minutes. Yes, I know you've been talking for three minutes. I've been sitting over here rolling over my eyes anyway. Well, what we work in an auditory medium. Speak up. <laughs> or better yet, speak away, bruv. Ah. There we go. Tying it all, all back right. in. Um, The creator, yes. So the creator. So the creator was made by Garth Evans. Garth Edwards. Oh my gosh. There's for for the reference of listeners, there are two different directors. There's Gareth Evans and there's Garth Edwards. That would have or been Gareth weird Edwards. on set. Gareth Edwards. No, they're not on the same shows, but it's is it Garth Evans? Oh my god, there's even more than I thought. So there's Gareth Evans and there's Gareth Edwards. That's why I always get confused. Um, so Gareth Edwards, who is the director behind Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and also the 2014 reboot of Godzilla, which birthed the modern-day MonsterVerse, which has films such as Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, King Kong vs. Godzilla 1, and soon to be 2. Oh, yes. When that film comes out next year. But this film was made uh, largely abroad, largely in uh, Asia. Um, I don't specifically know where in Asia it was made. But basically the film made uh, was made for $80 million US. It was made on a Sony FX3, which is a camera... Not much bigger than most uh, DSLR cameras, so most photography cameras, but this is a cinema camera. See, it's honestly amazing how people are filming some of their films nowadays. I mean, that was filmed on something smaller than an iPhone. About the same size as most yeah. modern-day iPhones. You look... The film has looked like some sort of tourist going around filming this film. Yeah, um, and I mean, like, in saying that, the actual camera is quite small, but they were using big professional lenses and big camera rigs and stuff I like see. that. But the actual camera itself, um, I was looking at it, you can buy a Sony FX3 for about 6000 US. So you drive past their set and you see... These massive lenses. Wow, I wonder what the camera looks like. And you just see a tiny little thing mashed between all of that. It's a tiny little box. But, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal... There's some, I think um, someone did the math on it and it's something like $80,000 um, in VFX per shot is kind of the rough for all the VFX shots, which most of the shots in this film are VFX shots because you've got... Um, robotic characters, you've got these massive um, machines of war, these huge tanks, this massive kind of space station called Nomad which floats in the sky above them. So they're, 90% of the shots are VFX shots and all of those VFX shots roughly cost about 80000 per shot just in VFX. So wow, I mean they must have been doing the money spraying for this film. Yeah. So the creator has made I'm just double checking the numbers here. Worldwide it made it has made to date 
about uh, 97 million against a budget of 80 million. So it's... That's not very good, is it? It's not great, but for a film of this size and scale, it's not too bad. It's not it's that also, big of a film, is it's it? It's also only been out for four weeks. Um, it came out at the very end of September, which is why we didn't have a chance to talk about it in our um, September wrap-up. Um, so it's been out, you know, only only four weeks. So hopefully it'll be able to, um, at the very least, make its money back. I think it has slightly gone into profit. I'm not sure. I read a very interesting article um, that says it's finally enjoying profits um, as it reaches about $100 million, um, which is good. Anyway, so... I really enjoyed the creator. I think that it's a fantastic it's it's a sci-fi epic, you know, and you don't see many sci-fi epics that are completely and solely uh original material. You know, most of your sci-fi epics are adaptations of books or comics or reboots of old movies or reboots of old TV shows. This is a sci-fi epic that is, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's so, it's such a beautiful film to watch and you can see the $80,000 that has been spent on all of these VFX shots. They are expertly crafted. It's, um, it's really incredible. And the talent in this film, you've got John David Washington, so Denzel Washington's son in the lead, Gemma Chan, plays the uh, romantic lead, but she in and of herself has a very interesting character. You have Ken Watanabe in the film. And then let me find the name of the little girl who... um, What is her name? Who plays the main little girl in this film. She's new to the... to the industry, her name is Madeline Una Voiles, and she is fantastic. She gives an amazing performance as Alfie. Yeah, uh, and you also have Allison Janey playing Colonel Howell, who's the bad guy. Um, but yeah, I thought this film was beautiful. I thought it was well acted, well directed, well shot. Um. You know, the the actual story itself is pretty... It's not super innovative in terms of the the story structure that it uses. What it innovates is in the way that it's shot, in the way that the VFX are constructed, in the way that the world looks. It's a very rich setting for a film. And so I think that even though the story can be a bit, you know, um, predictable in some ways, I think that it's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I think that it will uh, become a bit of a cult classic, that one. Um, Cooper, what are your thoughts? Tell the audience. Um, I thought it was good. Certainly, if anyone knows, I'm not the biggest Rogue One fan. 
but really, would would people who listen to the show not know that you only talk about it all the time? Well, you know, facts are facts, but you know, this one I feel like is much better than Rogue One, and I think I agree with you. Will go down as a bit of a classic. What do you? Because I personally loved Rogue One. And I really like Gareth Edwards as a director. I've, I don't think there's a film that he's made yet that I've seen of his that I haven't liked. I'm just looking. I will say though, it even though I think this is better than Rogue One, it does have a bit of a Rogue One vibe about it. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I've seen Godzilla, Rogue One, and The Creator. And he's made some other films before that, but those are his three main films that he is well known for. That we've both seen. Yeah, and I really enjoy all three of those films for different reasons. I think The Creator is the culmination of everything he's been trying to make for his last however many, well, 10 years almost since he made Godzilla. So I think that it's the culmination of his directorial efforts um but what to you cooper as someone who didn't like rogue one why did you like this what was what was different about this in comparison to rogue one well in rogue one it was almost a bit like a suicide squad mission or almost even though i haven't watched suicide squad right they all go into this film, into this film, into this situation where they know they're going to die pretty much. Right. Whereas this one really didn't have any of that. Well, it did. Not really. I mean, it kind of did. You don't have your whole cast die. You have most of your cast die. You have your two main, well, spoilers which there is a spoiler warning at the top of this episode blanket, so there are going to be spoilers. Um, Your two main characters die. Well, not your two main characters. Yeah. Who? Gemma Chan and John David Washington. Aren't the two big characters Washington and the kid? Sure, the kid's also there, but, you know, be a big move to kill a kid. That is true. Ken Watanabe gets almost killed. Alison Janey dies. Yeah, Alison Janey dies. But, like, John David Washington goes into that final mission knowing it's a suicide mission. Yeah, he knows that, but I feel like it's a bit better than Rogue One. Right. I really, I just really didn't like Rogue One. Interesting. And this one, maybe it's something to do with the vibe of this one a bit more. Because you have a, a hold back your size. I'm not sighing. I'm also not yawning. <laughs> oh, there he goes. He yawned. No, but I haven't yet. This one also integrates a lot more of the future. So there's a lot of robots in this one. 
which you don't have in Rogue One, why do you look like a dead man? Because there are 100%. One of the main characters in Rogue One is a robot. But this integrates a story of robots. It also integrates old-time feeling and culture over in... What are you talking Old-time feeling and culture. Explain. Well, you've got all your techie robots and stuff. And mm. then we're in this town where you, it's like a mid spectrum almost. Right, where it's it's like a a shanty town. It's like huts and stuff. Yeah. Right. So you liked that it it was set on in a near future of Earth where there is still this where you get kind of a cross section of life on the other side of the world in a in a third world quote unquote country. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Cooper, do you have anything else to say about the creator? Not really. I would highly recommend going to see the creator if you're a sci-fi fan, if you liked Rogue One, evidently. If you didn't like Rogue One, you might still come out of this movie really enjoying it. Um, I think it's fantastic. Now, I am going to briefly talk about Five Nights at Freddy's. Cooper has not yet seen this one, uh, but I went and saw it the other day. I did not enjoy it. Um, I have a number of friends who have gone and seen it who are a bit more into the games for perspective. I've, I played Five Nights at Freddy's when it came out almost 10 years ago. Um, the first game, the second game, and I think I think I played up until third or fourth game whichever one takes place in the kids bedroom um i played that one that was five nights at freddy's wasn't it that i'm sure it was that didn't give me any t- context what happens in these games and what happens in this movie so l- let me let me give some context i knew i was right i think it's five nights at freddy's four okay so i played up to five nights at freddy's four so the, the central premise of Five Nights at Freddy's, um, this movie follows about the first three games, the, the kind of initial story that was set up. Five Nights at Freddy's is a survival horror game where you are a night security guard at a abandoned pizzeria called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza or Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. Now, at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, which has shut down um, because of a number of incidences that have happened with kids in in the premises, um, a number of kids have been injured or abducted and possibly murdered. Within the confines of this pizzeria, there are these highly advanced animatronics so these highly advanced, basically robots, similar to the animatronics you see at somewhere like Disneyland. These animatronics um, have the capacity to be used both as animatronics, so they are robots, but you can also activate a setting where um, 
there is enough space in the mechanical elements of some of the suits for you to be able to get into them and use them as a performer. So they can also be worn um, by people as suits. So basically you are a security guard and there are these uh, animatronics and your job is to basically watch the animatronics and make sure that no one breaks into Freddy's, all this kind of thing. But what starts happening is the animatronics start hunting you. They start spooky, spooky. moving from their spots. As you cycle through cameras, you start to see them start looking at the cameras. So their heads move. You start to see them disappear. Um, and sometimes you will see that they'll appear in different rooms without you noticing. Um, you know, and as the games go on, you get different things. As I said, Five Nights at Freddy's 4 takes place in a child's bedroom and there's stuff going on there. But basically, to kind of pull back the curtain on the story of it a bit, the whole, and and this is what's articulated in the film as well, what basically happened is there was this murderer who abducted these five children from Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria and killed them and wanted to get rid of their bodies. And so he stuffed their bodies into the outfits of the, uh, like, of the animatronics. took me so long to get that word. So there were five kids... There are four main animatronics. So there's Freddy, who's a bear with a little hat. There's Bonnie, who's a bunny with a guitar. There's Chica, who's a little chicken with a bib and a cupcake in her hand, who's also an animatronic. And there's Foxy, who's this pirate fox with an eye patch and a hook for a hand. And... The Purple Man or Springtrap, these are all different words to to describe the man who killed these children, put their bodies into the suits and there was one body left and it was put into an old decommissioned Freddy outfit out the back, which is colloquially called Golden Freddy. These children were put into these animatronics and the spirits of the children basically inhabited the animatronics and started to cause um, all of these issues and malfunctions and they would go rogue and all of these things would happen. So basically what the film is about is it's about this night watchman named, um, what's his name? Mike. Mike Schmidt, I think is his name. Played by Josh Hutchison, who we watched most recently in The Hunger Games, which we're watching in preparation for a film next month and also our next episode of this show, Filmic Feelings, which we'll be doing about The Hunger Games. Ooh. Yeah, very exciting. So Josh Hutchison plays the main character, Mike Schmidt, who has his little sister, whose name I cannot remember, but uh, ironically, she's the best part of the film. So now I feel bad uh, that I can't remember. Abby, that's her name. Uh, Abby, played by Piper Rubio. And so Mike and Abby live uh, 
in this part of, I think it's Ohio. I don't know. They don't really go into where it's based. But they basically are living this kind of um, paycheck-to-paycheck life. Mike can't keep a steady job. He struggles to provide for his sister who... They never really go into it, but it's kind of assumed that she's somewhere on the autism spectrum because she has certain behaviours um, that read very much like movie autism, as we call it in the business, because it's not really autism. It's kind of... Anyway. So Mike is kind of at his lowest, and he goes to this career counsellor who recommends him for this job at Free Fazbear's Pizzeria as a night watchman because the owner doesn't want to give the place up, but someone needs to watch it to make sure that no one breaks in. Mike, though, has his own kind of uh, situation going on where he's trying to use lucid dreaming to unlock a memory of when his brother was abducted. His brother was abducted when they were young. So this was a brother who is between himself and Abby. And uh, this brother, Gareth, I think his name might be Gareth. A lot of Gareth's in this episode today. So this this brother was abducted. Uh, No one knows where he went. No one could find him again. And so Mike... uh, Instead of doing what his job is, which is to watch the animatronics, he starts falling asleep at his desk and trying to uh, unlock this dream. And as he does, he finds um, these five children in his dreams. And these are the five children uh, of the animatronics who start coming to life and causing issues for Mike and his sister Abby. There's also a cop named Vanessa, played by Elizabeth Lale, who I loved in You, season one. Um, And she is this kind of mysterious cop who knows a lot about Freddy's, but it's not really clear how she knows what she knows. And she's very elusive in what she will tell Mike and what she won't tell Mike. (coughs) Uh, This movie... Uh, while fun for people who know this universe is so dull. Um, It's dull. It's called a horror film. It's not scary. There's one scene where it kind of goes into real horror. Uh, The rest of it is just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, There's some all right performances. Um, I mean, Piper Rubio does a really good job with Abby. She's a really great character. Um, Matthew Lillard plays the career counsellor. He gets a few scenes. I like him in pretty much everything he's in. Uh, Elizabeth Lale is a great actress, but her character is so frustrating. Um, I really don't like her character. It's just really annoying how she does what she does. And Josh Hutchinson as Mike, I just don't like him. I, as as like the character, I just don't like the character. He's just, um, yeah. The only redeeming thing about him is that um, after he says um, he's given this choice to basically like give up his sister, he's actually given like two choices to give up his sister, 
and both times he says yes initially and then regrets it and says no. And that's the only likable thing he does is regret it and say no. But he says yes both times initially. And so and so it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Couple things I want to flag there. So with the brother that got kidnapped. Uh-huh. Do we ever find out like was that at this pizza place? So it wasn't at that this pizza place. It was at the is a campground. But there is a connection between what's happening at the pizza place and what happened to his brother. What's the connection? The connection is is that the same man that killed those four children or those five children is the same one who abducted and killed his brother. I see. All right. And that man is the career counsellor who sends him to the pizzeria. Ah. Because that man uh, is played by Matthew Lillard. And so that man at the career office basically sees Mike and finds out his name, realises who he is and sends him to Freddy's basically to try and kill him. Um, And so what happens then? Like with the career counsellor, do they defeat him or...? Yeah, he comes, he he shows up in the last scene and he's the character Springtrap or the Purple Man. There's a bunch of different ways he's referred to. And so he's wearing one of the animatronic suits. Um, and yes, he's defeated. Like Mike and Abby and Vanessa, the cop, really don't have a lot to do with him being defeated. Um, How did he get defeated? Well, the suits kind of turn on him, but it's really confusing ah. if the suits actually have a hand in what happens to him because basically the spring locks in the suit, which um, are these like basically bear traps, mm-hmm. like um, they basically like um, lock in place on him and like dig into his flesh. But he's still like partially alive at the end of the film. Like he's dying but he's, I don't know. It's They're setting it up for a next one. I hope beyond hope that they do not make another one of these. But if they do, I'm not going to see it unless it's rated R. Because well, that's the really poor thing about this film is that, you know, what's scary about the games is the anticipation and the threat of these animatronics. And then... In later parts of the game and in later editions of the game, there's this overarching story that's scary of of the Purple Man character and, and his legacy kind of deal. But I just... I wasn't really scared by any part of this movie. There's a few pits where it goes, oh, that, that's a little scary. But I just... It's not a good horror movie. It's a really bad horror movie. It doesn't lean into the things that made the game scary. Yes, you're shaking your finger. What's wrong? But I'm not sure how other people would think, but you are a man who is not easily scared. Oh, but everyone I've spoken to has said, oh, this movie's not scary. Mm. Even Even at some of the scares, like there were children in the audience of the screening I went to, like young children. 
and there was no point where people were like screaming or like people had to leave. Like, were these children the next Tom Cruises? No, they were children who are familiar with the games because the games have become oh. for children. Oh. Yeah, they started as being for kind of teenagers and older. And like, you know, Markiplier used to play a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's. I think he still does. He was meant to have who? a Markiplier. He's a YouTuber. Oh. I thought he's the one YouTuber you would know from the Five Nights at Freddy's kind of subculture. I don't watch Five Nights at Freddy's subculture. I know, but I thought you might be familiar with Markiplier. No, you never heard the name. Sorry, Markiplier. Anyway. If you'd like to be a guest. That'd be great. Come tell me a bit more about yourself. But yeah, there's... There was a film released a few years ago called Willy's Wonderland, um, which is a an action comedy horror, which is Nick Cage basically fighting um, these similar animatronic creatures, which from what I hear, I haven't seen it myself, but from what I hear, that movie is much more the, like, terrifying um it's it leans a lot more into the horror as opposed to this one, which is very tame horror wise. And um, let's put it this way: about halfway through the film, just after you've seen the animatronics murder four people, you then watch them make a like pillow fort, basically, with the main characters of the film. That's weird. Yeah, it's. I thought I honestly thought you were gonna go down the road with they killed those people and then turn those people into a pillow fort. No, they just get a bunch of chairs from the pizzeria and they create this fort. It's, I I I think if you know Five Nights at Freddy's, you might like this movie. If you don't, don't bother going to see it. It's not worth. It's not worth a watch. It's not scary. It's not fun. It's just kind of dull. It goes on for way too long. It should be much. It should be about twenty minutes shorter than it is. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. What's the rating? Um, that kind of is my rating. I don't like to do number ratings. I do it based on like, would I recommend you see this movie? And my recommendation is, if you like Five Nights at Freddy's, watch this movie. You'll probably get a lot more out of it than I did. If you don't know Five Nights at Freddy's, if you are only vaguely familiar with it like I was, don't bother. It's not worth it. Wait for it to come out on streaming and then maybe give it a go. But at least then you can turn it off. Because, um, yeah, it's just it's just not that interesting. It's not that fun. It's not very well written. That's kind of my take on it. Ouch. So this video is sponsored by Five Nights at Freddy's. And if you think I had some negative things to say about Five Nights at Freddy's, just wait until well, we get to our next well, film. Well, I was about to say, do you want to put Loki before this one? Because I feel like that will go on for a bit of a rant. Well, we don't really... I, I don't want to talk a huge amount about Loki. Um, Just kind of our, our general thoughts. Let's give our general thoughts before we go into The Expendables 4 because you're right, this might go on for a while. Um. Loki season two, I'm enjoying it so far. I think that 
I'm still waiting for it a bit to kick into gear. I think that that's going to happen maybe next episode. I think while, yes, it is a Loki show, he's not really the main... He doesn't feel like he's the kind of main character anymore. I don't know. Maybe that'll change. But so far, I felt very much like he's a passenger in this story and it's very much about... I see that, yeah. Mobius and Ouroboros and Kang and the TVA. It would almost make more sense for this show to be called the TVA at this point, but they've already got the show Loki, so they may as well keep going with it. But not to say that Tom Hiddleston has not been doing amazing performance. He has. He always does. Um, And I've enjoyed a lot of the sequences with him and with, with all the characters. I just am waiting for it to be a bit more Loki. Well, I feel like the first one or two episodes were very low-key, but as soon as we've started introducing Sylvie back and all this, like the last episode or the episode before that sort of lost a bit more of being low-key and went to more TVA. Yeah. If you know what I mean. It sort of yeah, started right. out there a was, bit low-key. There was a lot in the first two episodes about Loki and his journey and, and what he's up to. And then it kind of started to peter away a bit as we got into the reintroduction of He Who Remains or Kang or Victor Timely or whichever name you want to use. But Um, maybe it'll come back now that he's dead. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm interested to see what happens in the next episode based on what's happened previously with... um, at the end of the last episode, which we won't won't go into, but... Well, um, that was one of the most graphic deaths... I feel like I've seen in movie history that was very graphic. It wasn't that graphic. It was bad. It did have I, I a lot of people have been talking about the the death of the TVA agents earlier in the episode. Which one? With oh, the cube. The, the cube, yeah. That being one of the most unsettling yeah, scenes that was in uns- MCU history. That was unsettling. I think that the um Victor Timely's death, and again, we do have a spoiler card up the front, so hopefully we're not spoiling too much for you. But it's very much reminiscent of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where um, Mr. Fantastic dies. I don't remember that. Remember when Scarlet Witch is fighting all of the the uh, Illuminati and Mr. Fantastic is there, played by John Krasinski? Vaguely, yeah. And he basically gets turned into spaghetti. You know, to go into another film I didn't really like. That one. Vaguely. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the thoughts on Loki Season 2 so far. A lot of pie talk in this show. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes... Scenes in the in the automat where they get pie. Well, they're talking a lot about there's pie involved, there's Maccas involved, yeah, and very 80s Maccas in like Texas, yeah, with weird accents. Hello, what can I get for you, sir? That's it. Also, apologies for my first yawn of the episode. I'm sorry, that's about the twentieth yawn of this. It's episode. not the twentieth yawn. So. Yeah, that's that's a thought on Loki season two. I'm interested to see where we go from here based on how the last episode ended. Now, Cooper, last night we went and saw The Expendables 4. Um, Literally about 12 hours ago. 
about that. Yeah. So uh, I think it's been called online. Let me just look. It has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 14%. Ooh. And that's... I think it has been called one of the worst films of the year so far. Uh, so it's already ended its US box office run. Already? Major. Let's let's read this. Expendables 4's final week at the box office ends with terrible numbers and the movie's poor performance has incurred huge losses. A dismal box office performance with a final domestic gross of only $16 million. Let's see how much it costs to make. Probably a lot more than that. The movie's budget is reportedly $100 million. It needs to make at least $200 million at global. What's the global box office figure? Oh, my goodness. I feel like they're going to take a big hit on this film. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I have to worry about having to watch any more of these box office. Uh, there it is. $35 million worldwide. Ooh. As of today, which is oh, as of the end of last week, they have, we haven't got the figures in overnight, uh, over the weekend. Sorry, we're gonna uh, have it's to been check in on release. in. I think we're gonna have to check in on this next month when it's maybe finished to see how much it actually made. We'll see. I might not want to talk about this anymore after this because I uh, really dislike this movie. Um, I try really hard not to fall asleep in movies, um, which is something I've been struggling with lately just because... You're old. I've, no, I'm, I'm busy. And so I get into a movie theater and I just kind of fall asleep because um, it's a dark I mean, environment. And anyway. Yes. And you literally, last night in that film, after you had your... Food, after I had my dinner. After you had your pizza and your chai latte... Mm-hmm. You literally, because there were only two other people in the cinema with us. Yeah. You took the other armchairs next to you, fold, folded all the um, armrests, and literally laid down across multiple chairs. And correct. And the funny thing is, you told me afterwards. What was really annoying is it took me so long to fall asleep. It really did. I really, you know, like I've fallen asleep in movies I've really liked. And, uh, like, just, like, desperately trying to keep my eyes open, desperately trying to just, like, muscle through the falling asleep, um, which is weird because I'm an insomniac when I actually try and, like, go to sleep in bed. But, like, I'm sitting there in the cinema and I just, like, pass out. Um, anyway, weird. Yes, you are weird. We would You're all agree. Weird. But, uh, yeah, this movie... Right before I fell asleep, I turned to Cooper and I said, here's the next few things that are going to happen in this plot. And Cooper, was I right? Did I need to watch the rest of the movie? Did I pretty much nail on the head exactly what was going to happen? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, this movie is cliche-driven. It's poorly written. It's poorly acted, sadly, from some really great actors who I really love and respect um, putting in some career worst performances in this film and uh, it looks awful. Uh, There is CGI where there doesn't need to be CGI. 
there's weird um like um face tuning like facial smoothing on different characters there's the cgi is genuinely awful it has moments like there's a particular moment at the start of the film where there's this big plane flying overhead and it keeps releasing like these flares and there's some cool effects with that but even when i'm going oh that's a cool effect and then suddenly it just like disappears and you go like oh right so they 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 didn't want to pay the artist to finish this effect yeah and also if it was realistic there wouldn't be that many flares no there sometimes is that many flares when they do oh uh. So that that wasn't my issue, the accuracy of it. It was just the, how poorly executed it was. So basically this film is just another, and this is coming from someone, I thought Cooper had seen all, all three of the Expendables films. That's why I thought we were going to the Expendables 4 because um, I had already heard, I had already heard how bad this movie was and I just didn't want to see it. But... Cooper was insistent that we go see it um, for the show and I thought I was under the impression that he'd seen all three Expendables films. Cooper, what Expendables films have you watched? Three and a tiny bit of two and one. You've watched the entire film of three? I mean, glancing over it while looking at my iPad. Right, so you haven't watched three I've the wa- whole way through? Well, technically I was watching it. I was just... I was, you know, when you watch something on your iPad and you sort of look in a way where you can see both of them. Sure. So you weren't paying attention to Expendables 3. I wasn't paying full attention. There were bits where I paid full attention. I haven't seen any of the three films because, frankly, I've never heard enough good reviews of them to ever bother. I don't know why this film needed to be made. I don't think any of them have been massive box office successes um but yeah this one is just another generic someone is stealing nuclear detonators we've got to go out and stop them um the movie starts with that mission and then they don't stop them because uh sylvester stallone dies and then um jason statham gets really like worked up about that and gets fired from his job and goes to work for an influencer for one scene and then beats the influencer up and it's just a very nothing scene and just uh, anyway then he goes fight back on those sorts of influences i feel like that'll become some sort of weird like, I don't even know what kind of influencer he is. Like, I don't know if they're trying to do, like, a parody of, like, Andrew Tate where he's been super disrespectful to women. I mean, maybe. Maybe, but also, like, the guy that they've hired to do it, like, Andrew Tate's whole thing is, like, he's, like, an alpha male. Like, that guy wasn't an alpha male. He was, like, a gamer dude. I'm like, I don't know. Well, What's I think, the whole I deal? I think he's an Andrew Tate wannabe, I feel like. Maybe. Would be a good... Anyway. Way of saying it. It's a weird thing to do anyway. It was bizarre. So anyway, um, I don't know how much I have left to say about this movie. Um, I literally went to sleep. Oh, and then they end up on like, a, what is it? Like a, 
Where do they even end up? They end up on like a shipping container, well, like a shipping, a thing. cargo ship. It's weird because it feels like a cargo ship because it literally is a cargo ship and it's got shipping containers everywhere. But it also feels like a military one because there's all these people with guns. There's a little basement with military vehicles and there's a tiny little runway that even a bike can't fit on. Right. Yeah, I don't. It's don't watch this movie. Um, if you're a fan movie, of the Expendables, maybe go. Watch don't even it. if you're a fan of the Expendables, just let it be the first three films. Let this film tank at the box office so they well, never make another one of these. Well, okay, very dramatic. Wait for it to go well, out on streaming. Sure, if you really must, if you really feel like you need to watch it, I'm assuming then you've already watched it. Otherwise. Don't watch this movie. Don't waste your time. I mean, it showed with how little people were in the cinema with us. I know. We missed Have You Been Paying Attention airing live for that. Yeah, I probably would have preferred to watch Have You Been Paying Attention live. I will admit that. Yeah, I 100% would have rather rather done that. Yeah, but I don't think it's as bad as you make it out to be. It's definitely. It's. It might be worse than I'm making it out to be. It's not the best film. It's an awful movie. It's not the best. It's an awful movie. Not the best. I think it's the worst film I've seen so far this year. Oh my god, that's wouldn't be because I don't watch bad movies anymore. I mean, other than Five Nights at Freddy's, I've had a bad October in terms of (laughs) watching movies. Because the only other movie I've seen, Five Nights, Expendables Four. Really, a hundred percent. At least Five Nights at Freddy's looks good for some of the film. Expendables 4 has a budget of $100 million. Five Nights at Freddy's had $20 million. And look at, you remember Expendables 4? Remember any of those shots? And then let me just well, show you some stuff from Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, well, you know, you know why? It's because they had to pay for Sylvester Stallone for about 20 minutes of screen time. Yeah, exactly. Not worth it. Oh, and also Sylvester Stallone isn't dead. Yes. Like, look, that's a shot and from the film. And it was an inside agent. I mean, that was That's a shot from the film. Like, these are real suits. These are real animatronic suits. I can't I get would, any yeah. good shots from the movie. They've the not come via, out yet. But. The effects and the shots were probably one of the worst parts of that film. Let's just play the trailer real quick and I'll play it on mute. So that we don't get copyright struck. But like, you know, this has some actual like colour interest. Like that's real. All of we're seeing real animatronics right now. Like, look at these. And this movie was $20 million. A hundred million dollars for the Expendables 4. What a joke. As I said, they needed to hire Sly for about 20 minutes. No, they didn't. That would have been a lot of money. Yeah, but he doesn't need to be in the movie at any point. If you're going to kill him for pretty much the whole movie and then bring him back at the end, have him die off screen. But the thing is, is that if Sly wasn't there, this film would have really bombed. Cause he it did really bomb. Even worse than it did. Well, good. 
I don't want this movie. They never should have made this movie. I think they could have made it better. Yes, by not making it. No, I think it could have been made good. Sure, with another hundred million and not bringing on all those people. Like, to me, there is no world where you make The Expendables 4 after the last three movies and you make it better than any of those movies. You would literally have to go back and basically reboot it and go, instead of the action heroes of the 80s, we're actually now going to do the action heroes of the 90s and 2000s. I don't know, have Richard Gere appear from The Jackal and he's doing action stuff and I don't know who else. I don't remember. Oh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu, you know, Keanu Reeves, Speed, Matrix. He was a big 90s action star. Brad Pitt, all these people. Do the Expendables with them. Do a reboot in 15 years when they all need a paycheck and they're all slightly older but still looking like glossy and smooth because they're that kind of A-lister. <laughs> anyway. I mean, honestly, still would have preferred some of the older people from this film. Would have loved to have been able to afford to have Arnie. Would have loved to have Terry Crews if he's still alive. And Tony Banderas. We mean, we mean t- Terry Crews' character because we don't know if he's still alive because Cooper hasn't seen these movies, but he made us go and see this one. I'm, I'm pretty sure Terry Crews' character is still alive. But you don't know definitively. I'm, I'm very, I was not happy when I found out after we saw this movie that Cooper had not seen any of the previous movies. I had seen them. I don't count you watching your iPad and 3 as watching the movie. This is the first Expendables movie that you watched on a screen with no other screens present. And probably be the last. Yes. (laughs) But you made us watch this one. We paid money to go see this one. Well, it needed a bit of charity. No. It doesn't deserve our charity. You owe me. You owe me a better I'm movie. Not owing you. Yes, you are. Well, that's how this works. Well, I mean, it's my birthday coming up. You better be getting me a great present for that that you put me through. Well, that leads us into the next month's movies. Yes, that is true. The next month's movies we have got. <laughs> The Killer on Netflix, which I'm really excited for. I think it actually might be available to view now, possibly. We'll see. Uh, But, yes, The Killer is on Netflix. It is David Fincher. It is Michael Fassbender in the lead playing a hitman who grows a conscience. David Fincher is a phenomenal filmmaker. I'm very interested to see what he does with the material. Next, we've got The Marvels, which is coming to cinemas on the about the 9th of November, so the first week of November. Uh, it is a sequel to Captain Marvel and also a sequel to Miss Marvel, the TV show, and also kind of a sequel to WandaVision um, because one of the characters played by Tiona Paris is from WandaVision. But, yes, we've got Brie Larson in that one. We've got Imani... Oh, I'm going to get her name wrong, so I'm going to... Double check it. Iman Vellani, that's it. But I'm very excited to see what happens with that film. 
uh, I'm actually quite excited for it. So we'll see what comes of that. Internationally, we've got the release of Next Goal Wins, which is a film from Taika Waititi. It's a sports biopic of sorts about this uh, soccer coach who is basically kicked out of the European leagues and ends up going to New Zealand and coaching a team. I think it's soccer. Let me double check this. I haven't watched the trailer for it in a while. Yeah, that looks like soccer. All right. So, yes, it's definitely soccer. Great. So that's that one. We in Australia aren't getting that one until January, I believe. So we won't be talking about that one next month, but um, we might briefly mention it just to say what the kind of critical consensus has been. Uh, The big release of next month in addition to the Marvels is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the latest addition to the Hunger Games franchise. It takes place uh, something like 65, 65 years before the story originally depicted in the Hunger Games. And uh, it follows a young Coriolanus Snow, uh, originally played by Donald Sutherland, now in this film played by Tom something. Tom something. Tom, what's your name? Tom, what's your name? We want answers. Tom, tell me your name. Tell us your name on a non-live recording. Yes. Tom Blythe. I knew it was Tom. I knew it. So, yes, Tom Blythe plays Coriolanus Snow and Rachel Ziegler plays Lucy. Oh, my God. Now I've forgotten her name. Lucy Greybeard. Hush. Lucy Greybeard. You've also got Hunter Schaefer, Peter Dinklage and Viola Davis. Yes. I know him. Vaguely. Good for you. Not in real life. I just... Not, what is, not personally. What is he in? Wait I a mean, minute. Game he, of Thrones was the big thing he's he in, was in. He's in Elf, isn't he? He yeah. is in Elf. Many, many years ago he was in Elf. Um, fantastic actor he is. Uh, so we're looking forward to that one. And the next episode of this show, before we get to the November wrap-up, will be our thoughts on the first four Hunger Games films. So look forward to that in two weeks' time. We have got A Family Affair, which is coming to Netflix. It's a Zac Efron film. Looks kind of fun. I don't know. We'll see. What's don't it know about? if we'll ever watch it. Don't ask me questions like this, Cooper. I don't know. You don't know? No, because who cares? A surprising romance kicks off comic consequences for a young woman, her mother, and her movie star boss as they face the complications of love, sex, and identity. It's got Zac Efron, Joey King, Sherry Cola, Kathy Bates, Nicole Kidman, Liza, K- Liza Koshy, and someone who I don't know. Um, it looks pretty mediocre. Yeah, I think we might skip that one. Um, oh, sorry, there are three big releases for next month. We also have Napoleon. Now, I'm fascinated from- about this one. You are? Yeah. Could you tell us a bit about Napoleon? So Napoleon Bonaparte was a French soldier in the, sorry, I'm just, Napoleon. So is this based on a real story? Was he an actual? Yes. 
he's an actual person. He was born in France in 1769, which means that he witnessed the early days of the French Revolution, uh, which took place in the 1790s. And then he died in 1821. He is most famous for the Battle of Waterloo. Um, so he was leader of the French Republic as first council from 1799 to 1804, then of the French Empire as French Emperor from 1804 until 1814 and briefly again in 1815. Um, so basically he named himself Emperor at one stage He's considered one of the greatest military strategists of all time. Um, yeah, he's a fascinating historical figure. And um, Joaquin Phoenix plays him. The film also stars Vanessa Kirby uh, as his wife, uh, Josephine Debart. Oh, I'm not going to pronounce this, be able to pronounce this French name. Josephine Debohanes. Maybe? I don't know. So sorry to Josephine for Sorry to Josephine. You've been, your name. you've been deceased for over two hundred years. So yes, Napoleon comes out on November twenty second. Wish is the latest Disney film. I don't know a lot about it. Um it has a similar kind of animation style to the last few ones that they've done, like what was the last one they did? Strange New Worlds and the one before that that I can't even remember. It's sad that Disney animation has become a bit forgettable in the modern age uh, and I haven't heard a lot about Wish at all. Uh, there's also Leo, which is an animated film on Netflix from Adam Sandler, which means I probably won't watch it. So who do we think is also in this film then? Which film? Leo. It'll be all of Adam Sandler's friends. I do quite like Adam Sandler's dramatic roles, like um, Uncut Gems, and there was another one that he did quite recently that was quite quite good where he played a basketball scout that I can't remember the name of. The only time I've ever watched him was when he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There you go. Not yeah. a Indian film. Um, Adam Sandler's. Oh. Wait, I don't think that's right. So it's about a 74-year-old lizard named Leo and his turtle friend deciding to escape from a terrarium of a Florida school classroom where they've been living for decades. It stars Adam Sandler, Bill Burr, Cecily Strong, Jason Alexander, uh, Rob Schneider, one of his... Besties, Alison Strong, Joe Coy, Sadie Sandler, Sadie Sandler and Sonny Sandler, Who which are, are his children. Oh, okay. Coulter, I don't know any of these people. These must all be the children. Jackie Sandler as well, so um, Adam's wife. Full family affair. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it might end up being very good. If it is, we will watch it. Otherwise, we will wait for it to come out on Rotten Tomato first. 
That's it. We'll wait to see what other people say about it first. Which is what we do with every single film. Well, evidently not. Otherwise, we never would have gone to see The Expendables 4. Oh, my God. This is such a big rant with you. And it will continue to be. And what's really funny about it is I made a pledge to myself recently that I was not going to bad talk movies anymore. But Yeah, then, that didn't work. Then last night happened. <laughs> and now I'm angry now, at movies. Now you've broken it. I'm angry at movies again. Anyway, hopefully by the end of November, my faith in the cinematic experience will be restored. Until then, uh, the creator's great. Everything else that we've seen, at least Five Nights at Freddy's and Expendables, don't bother. Loki's good. Uh, And I'm looking forward to seeing Kills of the Flower Moon at some point when I can assure myself that I'm not going to fall asleep through the three and a half hour runtime. Yes, and we've... There's some interesting stuff coming up in December as well. Which we will talk about next at the end month. of next month. Thank you very much, lovely listeners. Tune in next week for our interview with our personal trainer, Nick May. That is the next episode on our docket. And, yeah, until next time, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.